0: For the better part of the last decade, science fiction finally evolved from a niche genre into a mainstream staple. And while many people are familiar with the so-called fathers and grandfathers of genre, the women who have been instrumental in creating and shaping the nerdverse have largely gone unrecognized. Until today. I'm Courtney Enlow, and this is Sci-Fi Wire Fangirls Forgotten Women of Genre a podcast where we tell the stories of the women who helped some of the most famous fantasy worlds become a reality. Before Hollywood Studios began enforcing what was essentially a no-girls-allowed policy during the 1930s, the majority of screenwriters working in the industry were women. When people insist that film was always a boys' club, The fact is this was never entirely true, no matter how hard some tried to make it be. There were always women working behind the camera, even when their numbers were few. One of the earliest women working in pre-Hollywood film was Lois Weber, a former sidewalk evangelist turned musician, turned one of the most prolific female filmmakers of the 1910s and 1920s. Weber and her peers watched their careers dry up as those who benefited from their work went on to become millionaires. As Hollywood investors began asserting their influence over producers, studios caved and either fired or simply refused to hire female screenwriters and directors, who were now judged by their gender after having done considerable work to create Hollywood as we know it. Weber is believed to have been a musical prodigy, surprising her parents with a love for playing complicated piano pieces from a young age. She eventually left home in her teens to work as a church pianist and street evangelist, working to change minds even as she herself was living in poverty. Even in those early days, there was an element of activism to her work. Although the ethical ramifications of her church group playing moralist hymns in red light districts to convert the wicked to Christianity are fairly questionable by today's standards. Still, it's pretty clear that Weber was driven by a need to convert others or open their minds to the things she saw as basic truths even in the beginning. When the group she belonged to disbanded, she returned home for a time studying music more in depth and eventually going on tour until one incident caused her to leave the stage forever. One night, just as she had begun to play, Key dislodged from her piano and caused her to botch the performance. This failure caused her to completely lose interest in playing music and she immediately retired, completely uprooting her own life once more. By 1904, Weber had grown frustrated and disillusioned with the careers she'd chosen for herself early in life. Music no longer interested her in a professional sense, and she began to feel that converting people to Christianity via the standard methods of her church was a difficult, if not impossible, prospect. Intrigued by the idea of delivering a Christian message to audiences via theatrical performance, She drifted through a few acting jobs before settling in with Philip Smalley and his regional theater troupe. Shortly after, the two married, and Weber worked contributing script ideas and doing fill-in jobs for film studios. Eventually, Weber started getting more full-time work as a screenwriter, and she convinced her husband that they should combine their talents and work together as a team producing short films. Around this time, Carl Lamely the founder of Universal Studios, began his drive to hire more women to work as producers and directors, including Weber. She was given a great deal of creative freedom to create shorts, many of which were quite progressive for a turn-of-the-century former evangelist. Two Weber films of the 1910s include Where Are My Children? and later, the controversial The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. The first film presented a case for birth control and the right to choose, while the latter used the then-contemporary trial of abortionist Margaret Sanger to drive Weber's pro-life case home. Perhaps unsurprisingly, when the question of censorship first reared its ugly head in Hollywood, Weber was one of the very first to come under attack, and eventually theaters would begin refusing to show her films, but not before she enjoyed a stint as the most prolific woman director working in Hollywood. In 1913, Weber and Smalley would create what is now looked back upon as their masterpiece, Suspense. One of the earliest examples of a home invasion film, the 10-minute-long short tells the harrowing tale of a young wife left home alone with her baby as her husband goes to work, only to be targeted by a vagrant with undefined immoral intent. While her husband rushes home with the police in tow, the villain advances toward the wife slowly climbing the stairs and boxing her into the bedroom with no means of escape. While it would be difficult to apply a feminist label to suspense due to the relative inaction of the wife, this is still an important film for many reasons. To begin with, the camera work and the storytelling devices used here are revolutionary. Suspense stands out as being incredibly well-paced and genuinely creepy. It wasn't the first home invasion film, but it is likely the most memorable of the silent era. Weber was one of the very first women to direct a horror film, and as the screenwriter, primary actor, and co-director, she might have been the first to fully conceptualize one. Much of Weber and Smalley's output is defined by her dedication to Christian values, but many of these films also called out the church. In the film that made her one of the most famous directors in America, titled Hypocrisy, Weber shows the spirit of truth through the ages. Truth appears as a naked woman, and it is humanity's inability to accept her physical form with innocence that causes the primary conflict of the film. The combination of fantasy elements with clever social commentary and humor makes Hypocrisy another early example of a genre film, predating works by more well-known genre pioneers like Fritz Lang by a few years. There are countless other achievements in Weber's relatively brief time as a director. She was the first American woman to direct a feature-length film with her adaptation of Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice. She founded Lois Weber Productions, making her the first female director to run her own studio. When she was caught in a career lull and signed on to direct a film in which actors appeared in blackface, she left the job on moral grounds because she felt many scenes were racist. Despite espousing Victorian ideals in regard to marriage and womanhood, Her politics still hold up pretty well compared to most directors of her era. Weber's marriage to Smalley eventually dissolved in 1922 as her career likewise began to falter. Ultimately, Weber lost much of her influence in Hollywood and she was reduced to working as a script doctor. Though many careers were ruined by the shift from silent films to sound, and Weber's situation was caused more by changing values and a disregard for the skill of women, it was a time of destroyed careers for many people who had helped build the industry to begin with. Regardless, the effect she had on other women working in Hollywood was profound, and those that stayed by her bed as she passed away and many who attended her funeral were women, women whose careers she had had a positive influence on. While it's true that some of Weber's messages have not aged particularly well, we are still talking about someone raised in a deeply religious household who went on to create surprisingly progressive works attempting to reconnect spirituality with truly felt morality. Though her stances might not always have been as nuanced as we would like them to be through today's lens, there is no denying her importance to film history. The first century of film saw so few female directors that we have a tendency to expect more from them than we expect from their male peers. Still, regardless of where one falls on Weber's political stances, She remains admirable for being committed to female liberation, even as it brought her under a great deal of criticism and helped to slowly kill her once-thriving career. Women were instrumental to the creation of the movie industry, regardless of how much historians might wish to believe otherwise, and Weber will remain one of her era's most interesting directors due to her inventive techniques and offbeat approach to cinematography while intertwining ethics with her storytelling. She also served a role in the development of genre films with her forays into fantasy and horror while speaking up for the things she believed in. And that's why she remains a crucial figure in the silent film era. Forgotten Women of Genre is a production of Sci-Fi Wire Fangirls. Today's episode was written by Sarah Century, read by Courtney Enlow, and produced by Cher Martinetti. You can find the script of this episode and so much more at scififangirls.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at scififangirls. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say